Welcome to the UCM. We're your tour guides, Zan Peters and Joe Semino. And we're going to be taking you through our humble little museum's collection. The exhibits may or may not be real, but the stories sure are. Enjoy your visit today at the Uncanny County Museum. last time you were in new york uh like the city new york city or new york state well the the city the of know. course oh okay Wait, the which everyone city. everyone around here refers to as the city like we're in a high <laughs> fantasy novel <laughs> the capital oh, which it's not God, even the capital it's, it's so albany funny. it's um, yeah i know right which i think is kind of ironic but oh man that is i'm never gonna not think of it that way see for me well, it's every- it's yeah, it's the, the, the Northeast is just like that. There's I've never been anywhere with hamlets and boroughs before. That is, yeah, that is kind of wild. You are quite literally in a fantasy genre. It's like Final Fantasy up there. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the last time I was in the city, I want to say... Gosh, I guess it was... Well, technically 2020 because I was in the airport, but last time I was actually mm. visiting 2019. Right. Yeah, that was huh. the last time. How about wow. you? I know. It was a uh, while ago. Yeah. I was supposed to uh-huh. go, but then things just got kind of complicated. So I will eventually make my way back up to New York City. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I went down there for the holidays oh, uh, nice. to see my family. Uh, you know what? I was walking there. Mm, okay. did, you, did you tell everybody that, too? <laughs> to make it very clear that you are, in fact, walking here? I am walking here. <laughs> And you know what? As we strolled through uh, Times Square and Rock and Thirty Rock, for some reason, because my mom really wanted to see it, and it's like you grew up here, like yeah. don't you know you don't do this, right? Oh, and it's like you walk through Times Square, you're like, huh? Well, it is the worst place, but it's the worst place in the greatest city on earth, you know. Hmm. Interesting philosophy. <laughs> I, I still just hate it, but I get what I, you mean. Yeah. No, I my entire bit the entire time was there was being overly positive about New York. <laughs> like, like, wow, you know, there's just trash everywhere. And anything it's awful, is, hey, you know? Yeah, hey, New anything's York. possible here. <laughs> this is where dreams come true. This is the exactly. place where I can get a sandwich <laughs> at a bodega and also get yelled at. So mm. much fun. It at is the a same fun time. At the same time, it is a fun city. I will say, I like. There's the there's the rivalry around me where it's like Philly or New York, and like Philly is of course cheaper and more low key, but also it's just crazy now. Mm-hmm. And New York is expensive as anything, and also crazy, just a different type. But I don't right. know. Maybe it's been a while since I've been there, so the vibe may have shifted drastically. Mm. But I always just liked it better. I found it bigger. Mm-hmm. Because like everybody would always be like, oh, well, Philly's more low-key. And I'm like, Philly is absolutely not more low-key. It is incredibly crazy all of the time. And I feel like right. New York, it's bigger that I can just go to like not Times Square and to like mm-hmm. Chelsea or into, you know, uh, Lower East Side or wherever, you know, and just kind of go do yeah. my own thing. Well, it's like that whole um, 
like really post 90s like what's the complaint about new york is like just that it's too safe hmm. I, I guess is you is like the the old timer take kind of uh yeah yeah and i mean i i get that to some extent like not not that i want you know it to be <laughs> uh, it less you know safe? just just right rife with murder again <laughs> right yeah you know the way the, the way it belongs but hey that's when all the good art was being made huh. uh you know there might be mm-hmm. something to it i guess yeah you gotta no. keep those new yorkers on edge we right. need you know uh we need uh, our artists to be on edge as they go in and out of their Dakota flats, you know? Oh, my God. Uh, sure. Mm-hmm. Why not? Right. Yeah, we need, we need, you know, just, I, I don't know what, now Now with the population boom, I don't know what you need, like, per capita Sons of Sam. Uh, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just. Yeah, keep keep them a little on edge. A little bit, you know? little bit. And, and then and then they stuff. get to be the, the center of art and culture again. Exactly. Now it's all just kind of homogenous in an echo chamber, but you know, maybe that yeah. edge will do a little something. Right. Make it well, more I mean that, that that's the thing ultimately is like there's cool stuff going on, but anywhere where there's like a plaque, it's like ah, the moment's passed, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mhm. Um, but anyways, as, as two people that aren't really experts on New no. York, but, uh, <laughs> have, have an affinity for it and, and its history. Actually, uh, our tour today, welcome, by the way, to the Uncanny County Museum. Um, and welcome to 2023. Yes. Uh, the year, the, 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 the greatest year yet. The year dreams hmm. are made of, um. Interesting. Didn't think we were going <laughs> to quote Hillary Duff, but that's fine. <laughs> Um, what a way to start out yes uh but you know thinking of uh new york we think uh center of arts and culture in the on the east uh coast of the united states we think new year's you know it's where the new year begins right we get it first well whatever that like one island in maine is gets you i know, guess technically gets it first right uh yeah, but no, nobody. It's it's like you know, just a few fishermen and lobsters out there, I guess, right? I guess so. Isn't that just the entire part of Maine, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not being presumptuous or anything. Right, right. Oh, I mean, God. there there might be some hipsters and uh, Kenny Bunk or something. Sure, yeah, sure, makes sense. Yeah. Um. But anyways, uh, today's story actually does have a little bit of that old-timey uh, Philly and New York rivalry. It's a topic that I thought would be great to kick off the new year with. Hmm. And this is the story of Benjamin Waterhouse Hawkins. Uh, really one of the premier figures uh, in paleo art. Uh, you know, mainly because he was right there for its inception and to really take it to a professional level. Now, paleo art, as we've uh, discussed previously, the uh, artistic, uh, a a subset of scientific illustration that focuses on extinct animals. Um, This particular uh, branch is really important to public education and scientific understanding because it visualizes what uh, people are studying and what uh, has been discovered by the scientists. Mm. Uh, and as we've talked about before, 
paleo art has come a long way. There were uh, plenty of periods with grossly inaccurate uh, reconstructions of these animals. Oh, yes. And Hawkins is one of them, but he's important. So like okay. like a lot of people, wrong about a lot of things, but significant, and we should talk about him. Okay, okay, I'm interested. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. And also, you know, because he's had a resurgence in interest in the in the last few years, he kind of we'll get into it. But he had some some ups and downs in his uh, public reception. Um, huh. So we we, uh, we touched on him many, many uh, tours ago. I, mm-hmm. I whenever the last time we talked about paleo art, probably. Um, <laughs> but I thought this would be a really great uh, opportunity to get in. <laughs> to get in depth on him and his story and also sort of the bizarre twists and turns the the intersections it has with uh more general history as well um so waterhouse hawkins is uh born in london in 1807 uh his father was an artist his mother uh was from a family of plantation owners in jamaica Mm. and he takes after his father, goes to St. Uh, Aloysius College uh, to study art, you know, has sort of a, you know, c- coming from a, a family that's ar- already artistically inclined, he has a little bit of a leg up uh, and, you know, is able to get a formal uh, education. Uh, when uh, he is in his 20s, he actually kind of gets into natural history, and this is what leads him into scientific illustration. Um, he, uh, actually, uh, ends up doing a study of the, like, exotic animal menagerie for the Earl of Derby. Oh. Yeah, so, like, going to his estate and, like, you know, drawing and painting the the poor tigers that, you know, he's he's got roaming around his uh, property. Yeah. Huh. But, you know, this is also an era where you kind of just can do that if we uh, we've talked about this before but here's the sad thing joe i could have been a scientist back in the day yeah i think we've mentioned that multiple times you definitely would have yeah i think you could have made a very good oh yeah i say i say vague vague (laughs) things that aren't entirely incorrect exactly and you make very you know interesting paintings of animals so i feel like it would work you know yeah yeah and like you know, back then, science was a little more loosey-goosey. It was more like, fun. It was more cool, Zan. I well, would just uh, say things, and it was fine. Well, exactly. <laughs> well, but also, here's oh, here's God. the interesting thing, and I think it's the, um, maybe the, uh, the myth of genius that we are in the process of reevaluating and dismantling, where there are people that made legitimately brilliant strides in science back then but were profoundly wrong about (laughs) other things yeah like when i was in high school i read the biography of this guy uh olaf rudbeck oh uh he was this uh swedish scientist in the 1600s uh he discovered the lymphatic system oh uh which is real but he also was a diehard believer in atlantis Oh, okay. Yeah, huh. you know those those weren't mutually exclusive things. I mean, right, you know, right. I I'm trying. I it would be like if it would be like if Doctor Fauci <laughs> believed in flat Earth. I guess. <laughs> 
I mean, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I was going to yeah. say, like, we have Jack Parsons, but is he really a scientist? When You know? Uh, right? I mean, he, uh, he, he was an engineer. He was an engineer. That's a good way to put it. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> he just but was I really mean, good at it, it, it would be It would be weird to hear a medical professional, like, yeah. you're about to go under, and you hear them start talking about Atlantis. That would be not great. I would probably switch doctors. I mean, I think people do that, though. You know? Yeah. My, so, my my dad's an anesthesiologist. He says they mm. like to say things to people, like funny <laughs> things that they won't remember. Oh my god! Okay. Like as they're about to fall asleep. Really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay. I mean, huh? <laughs> yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I'm sure. I'm sure that'll that that'll never come up uh, again. As a <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here um, first, I guess. Yeah, so you know, uh, I don't know. Who knows if you're what? What? Check on your anesthesiologist. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> what are they telling um, you? Right. Um. So he gets into scientific illustration because of this. Uh, Edward Stanley, the uh, Earl of Derby. Hmm. Uh, actually, b- because of his connection to him, uh, becomes the assistant superintendent of the 1851 Great Exhibition of London. Um, Mm. Oh, and I should have mentioned, in 1847, uh, among many other uh, accomplishments, it also gets inducted into the Linnaean Society, as in Carl Linnaeus, who Uh, we discussed. Ah, right, callback. Yes, yes. Um, So he's connected to a... uh, He has the uh, connection to uh, some aristocracy, some money... And then he's also got the connection to uh, a lot of natural history uh, scientists. And that's a really big, uh, expansive field at this time. You know, it's really starting to shape uh, in the uh, he actually uh, did illustrations for uh, Voyage of the Beagle uh, for Charles Darwin. Uh, We'll get into it in a bit, but that did actually have an impact on his uh, work, but in kind of an uh, unexpected way. Um, So he does apparently a good enough job as the assistant superintendent. Uh, I'm I'm not entirely sure what that is. I'm sure it's a Hmm. lot of running around yelling at people on ladders. Right, assisting the superintendent, obviously. Obviously. (laughs) Um, And... uh, so the next year, uh, 1852, he gets a commission to do the th- to do uh, the sort of centerpiece exhibition hmm. uh, at the Crystal Palace in Hyde Park, which is this enormous uh, glass and metal building uh, that's sort of this um, uh, you know, supreme example of modern engineering and uh, science and, uh, you know, m- mechanical know-how. It's uh, it- it's a really spectacular, it was a very spectacular building. It burnt down, which I don't know how that happens with a glass and metal building. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Um, so apparently it wasn't that wonderfully engineered, but apparently it was beautiful <laughs> to look at. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, dang, yeah. burn. Yeah, a little literally, bit. Of a, literally. I, I feel like England at this point, they're not, they, they're, you know, the Titanic, I know, isn't, you know, for several decades. 
Sure. But it does seem like they make a big fuss about something being the greatest, you know, thing. And then. Yeah. Yeah. Built it very cheaply. Yeah. That tends mm-hmm. to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 33 antediluvian monsters uh, for the Crystal Palace. Uh, and these are going to be some examples of the giant monsters that they've discovered uh in the british isles and in europe uh that have been coming out of the ground in 1821 gideon and marianne mantel uh had discovered some uh teeth and other bone fragments uh at a road construction site Hmm. and that turned out to be iguanodon uh, which we've also discussed uh, previously but one of the uh really one of the first dinosaurs ever described uh and the the what what people are trying to wrap their heads around is is how to discuss these in terms of natural history but make it square with their understanding of how old the earth is uh they're not necessarily literalist young earth creationists but they're still trying to have it comport with religion sure Um, sure so a lot of the names, antediluvian, you know, before the flood, uh, right. pre-Adamite, these are mm. the things that are being referred to. Uh, you know, the, the the wiggle room is the idea that the, these are things happening uh, in the days of creation before God gets to the sixth day, right? And makes okay. humans. Okay. Right? Yeah, yes. Yes. Does he make humans and then rest? That sounds right. I, I think he rests on the seventh day. He does. And took a ride yes. with his baby in his Cadillac. <laughs> exactly. Yes. As, uh, as to, the to, to, quote, to quote the to quote the prophet uh, Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Um. I'm pretty sure. Yes. Sixth day. Yes. So by 1842, um, uh, around the time Voyage of the Beagle is uh, coming out. Uh, Richard Owen, uh, the uh, the this kind of at the time juggernaut Ooh. of uh, taxonomy uh, and anatomy, all, all all of this stuff as it relates to zoological studies, um, he coins the term dinosauria, the terrible lizards. That oh. Yeah, so so the they had been previously discovered, you know, increasingly recognized in the previous few decades as their own thing, as something that uh, you couldn't quite compare to anything alive. Richard okay. Owen could look at the bones and understand that these weren't quite reptiles uh, like modern ones, um, but he had kind of a vision as to how he wanted them to look. And he works very closely with Hawkins on these uh, on these models. And what it's kind of understood, even at the time, but even more so today, is Owen was pretty, pretty staunchly conservative and a big opponent of Charles Darwin in terms of uh, what what their vision for natural history was uh owen owen had a vision that he saw everything fit into it was it was lamarckian it was uh very centered on ideas of like cataclysm uh that 
you wouldn't have things uh um you wouldn't have animals and plants evolving as much as you would have god creating them and then them being whittled down by enormous cataclysmic events hmm. uh so that you know and th this was an idea that even like cuvier the the famous uh french scientist had uh also proposed like this idea that all the animals would have been created and then as uh as cataclysms occurred they just sort of went locally extinct and maybe you could find them somewhere else on earth and you know this kind of made hmm. sense in europe where like a lot at this point a lot of their wildlife has been uh, obliterated but extinction's not really understood so then they discover the new world and they're like oh look there's still wolves and bison over here uh you know maybe if we go far enough in we'll find mammoths uh and, and th gotcha, this was something gotcha. even kind of like thomas jefferson was interested in since he was also a fossil collector uh and right, you know yeah. kind of kind of expected it like when lewis and clark went west it wasn't beyond the the realm of possibility that they were going to find giant sloths when they went into the uh the american interior huh i yeah. mean i guess that kind of makes sense yeah if you're thinking about it at the time but that would be crazy if they did i mean it would i mean gosh imagine ohio but with giant sloths so typical ohio i guess <laughs> <laughs> wow midwest burn midwest burn oh man uh-huh um, um <laughs> yes so so owen has has his vision and his agenda and uh actually ends up having quite a bit of sway over uh hawkins and his depiction so um he insists that these animals be very mammal shaped mm. uh you know, very stocky, four-limbed uh, animals, even predatory animals like Megalosaurus and uh, uh, Iguanodon. He wants them to be kind of like, uh, yeah, just just these these very stocky uh, animals uh, that that sort of fit this idea of these big lumbering uh, creatures that w that God would have wiped away to make room for. Uh, his more perfect creations yikes yeah yes but the the models themselves once uh hawkins is able to get to work are really incredible nothing had really been done with this material it with this type of subject matter before uh he starts with uh sit uh one sixth and one twelfth scale models and then works up from there he says that these life-size models, and I have seen them in person in a Hyde Park in London, because even though the Crystal Palace is no longer there, these models are still there, and they are enormous. They are really oh, wow. uh, wonderful to look at. But uh, they took 30 tons of clay, uh, iron columns uh, in each uh, leg, 30 hmm. ca 38 casks of cement, 90 casks of broken stone, 100 oh feet of iron hooping, 20 feet of cube inch bar. And this would have been what went into building one of these uh, animals. Jeez. Uh, yeah. And so for some of them, he has more things to, to look at. Uh, 
Iguanodon had a good bit of material. Um, uh, there was a plesiosaur and uh, there was a megatherium, a giant sloth. Um, but then there's other creatures that he doesn't really have good material for. Uh, they had found the skull of a Mosasaurus, mm. uh, which you might remember from Prehistoric Planet as the big uh, marine reptile uh yes. lizard thing. Yes, yes, yes. 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 Um so they only had the head. So to get around this, uh Hawkins sculpts the head poking out of the uh water of oh. this exhibit. Because this is an outdoor, like life size exhibit. So they can kind of get around it by saying like, oh it's just poking its head out of the water, you know. Smart. The... Smart. Yeah. Yeah. Um other things he takes greater liberties with, uh, his labyrinthodont, uh, which was a, uh, uh, giant, uh, kind of like, uh, a, a giant amphibian, but would have like resembled something like a, uh, a crocodilian, you know? Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the scientific community kind of was, they, they looked at all of this and they said, this was Owen's doing, wasn't it? Uh, because already a lot of these ideas are being challenged actively. And th this is like, you know, the, this is the 1850s and they're already like, uh, sort of pushing back against this very old view of prehistoric creatures. Um, and the the criticism, the, there were a few criticisms uh, put on Hawkins, but really everyone saw through it and uh, and and knew the blame was with Owen. Um, however, the public absolutely loved them. Huh. Interesting. Like these these were legitimate crazy attractions uh, for this uh, for for London. Uh, no one had really seen this before. People didn't really understand what was being talked about. You know, when you're when you're talking about, uh, you know, thirty foot long animals and lizards, right? Uh, no one had a frame of reference for what wild. it would be like. Yeah, to encounter these. So you know, imagine for the first time getting to go. And when it opens in 1854, uh, Queen Victoria is at the opening ceremony. Oh, wow. Uh, 40,000 visitors alone at the opening to see these. Jesus. That's a lot yeah. of people. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so this is an enormous success. Uh, and like all artists, uh, right after a big success, uh, he goes off to do freelance for a few years <laughs> okay <laughs> right after <laughs> right exactly. uh, and, ki and kind of lies low you know okay we've all been there sure yeah 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 um so but you know still doing uh illustrations and things um in 1868 however uh he gets a call from new york city new york city fun mm -hmm. very fun bada bing but <laughs> I'm walking here. Yo, Benny Hawkins. <laughs> yeah. Um, I should have mentioned he goes by Waterhouse Hawkins, uh, even though his name is Benjamin uh, Hawkins. Mm. Uh, his, his mother's maiden name is Waterhouse, so he just calls himself Waterhouse Hawkins. Power move, honestly. 
much cooler name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Water. Waterhouse is a powerhouse. Ooh, nice. Well, also, you know, maybe back then too, they had another like Benjamin Hawkins who was also an artist or someone else on you know Twitter. Oh yeah. So then he had to go by Waterhouse Hawkins <laughs> to get to make sure he had the at sign there and he could you know verify yeah. himself. Right, right. Exactly. We never th- we never think about the poor people with <laughs> s- generic names that then suddenly another person uh, with that name gets famous. You know? Yeah. Like God, like God, there had to be so many Will Smiths, right? Oh yes, Will Smiths, Will Smith. You know? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, it's it's a running joke at this point, but the 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 ben shapiro being such a common name that yes like no 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 not that one not that one not him <laughs> yeah uh yeah but anyways um so in uh 1868 uh gets uh, a call on the on the telegram or whatever uh <laughs> i'm not the old phone I'm, we're, we're talking we're talking about dinosaurs not uh, communications technology sure yeah mm-hmm uh, his yeah. Uh, ring for you, Mister H. Mm. His secretary his... probably said. Probably, uh, maybe, allegedly. And New York City wants its own Paleozoic Museum. Ooh. Yes. Okay. So the this the uh the popularity of dinosaurs and everything has you know even spread into America and actually. The first dinosaurs are being discovered oh, in the Americas. Perfect timing. Uh, actually, Joe, you'll be uh, excited to hear <gasps> in New Jersey. New Jersey. Oh, look at that! Very fun. Mm-hmm. Which one? Well, they find Hadrosaurus. Okay. Uh, yeah. So the uh, duckbill dinosaur. Right. Uh, right. Here's the issue, though. They hadn't mm. found the skull yet. Okay. Mm. Yeah. The, the very iconic part of right, of that dinosaur. dinosaur yeah yeah so um what happens is he goes to new york and they're like uh you know we're not sure it's new york we're not really uh an influential center of arts and culture you know where you need to go to get the scientific know-how Right. The intellectual center of our country. Oh no! You need to go to Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yes. Oh man. He... Yes. <laughs> so he ends up going to Philly. Um, Amazing. Uh, to bring on Joseph Lady, who actually is a uh, pretty famous curator in his own right, uh, but um, he has the hadrosaur. Uh, skeleton uh Mm, and he encourages hawkins to build him an entire recreation of the skeleton which had never been done before um and this was this was a really big deal like we we take it for granted with you know even if they're casts we have a vision in our heads of going into a museum now and seeing a mounted dinosaur skeleton and even if uh science changes with skin and scales and feathers and colors uh we we know generally about the shapes of dinosaurs um but what uh lady and hawkins kind of uh figure out is people need to see 
what the skeleton looks like articulated because the only times that people might have encountered these fossils were like as illustrations um, or maybe as curiosities in museums, but they were always isolated elements. It was always like, here's a fragment of the jaw. Here's a tooth. Mm. Here's a femur. Nobody was putting it together like that. These are these are these are animals shaped so differently than anything alive today right 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 mm-hmm. so uh hawkins does it he you know has to take some creative liberties he sort of guesses that hadrosaurus's skeleton will be like another giant iguana head uh so he does that uh and uh puts it up at the uh, academy of natural sciences and yeah. Again, huge smashing hit. Uh, gotcha. In 1869, 100,000 people come to see it. Whoa. Yes. Oh, my God. And what was what's so crazy about this is the, the Academy of Natural Sciences, up until that point, they had never charged admission before. So oh. people were coming in for free, and the Academy actually had to, like, um, you know, put in a bunch of administrative complaints because they never had to handle that volume of people before coming sure, to yeah. see it. And this was actually the first time a- after this they had to start charging admission to limit how many people <laughs> would come in at once. That's crazy. Like, according to one memo, it stirred up so much dust that people couldn't see the other exhibits. What? Yeah. Like, the, oh the, 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 the dust was getting kicked up and, like, and settling on all the other exhibits oh god that's awful jeez yes um so with uh you know this other huge success uh hawkins goes back to new york uh to begin building uh his uh dinosaurs for the uh, paleozoic museum that's going to be uh in new york Right. And, uh, you know, he's, he's now, he's now got two smash hits under his belt and, uh, a lot of, you know, endorsements and everything. Um, he's got two leading paleontologists that he's worked with. He's the guy, he is the paleo artist. <laughs> <laughs> he's the <laughs> like, dinosaur man. Right, right. Like th- this, is the other crazy thing is like, he would go on speaking tours. He would oh have my God. like, like. <laughs> You know, it's it's crazy to think about in this day and age, like an artist giving a press conference. <laughs> that is kind of wild. <laughs> like, like you see, like those things of like the Beatles giving press conferences and right. stuff. And it's like, was this a thing we used to do? I mean, I guess so. Yeah, you know. Now, I mean, book tours still exist. It's kind of the same That's deal. That's true. So, That's true. I yeah. mean, you know, there's also the panels, right? I mean. It yeah, depends on I the guess, type of artist. Right, right. Um and the situation, I guess. Fewer fewer newsies, I guess, at Comic-Con. Unless mm. they are cosplaying as newsies. Right. I guess that's true. Unless they're trying to interview an actor to which they always ask, like, what would this character do? And then the actor's always just like, I am <laughs> I am will just you, an actor. Will you RP with me right now? I have seen this happen many times, and it's always uncomfortable. I, I think that mm. kind of awoken me of like, something is weird here. This is a little odd, right? Yeah. But anyway, that's a different story for a different day. 
Also mm-hmm. in New York, New York Comic Con. So there you go. Never. Changes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know he's he's pretty much responsible for kicking off America's obsession with dinosaurs. Wow. Um, and I mean, it was post Civil War. We were trying to think of Other anything thi- positive. I think. <laughs> sure. I mean, so because yeah, th- this is eighteen sixty nine. Oh my god. You know? Okay. Yeah. It's like oh god, and they god. I guess they called him up in sixty eight. Right. Oh God! What a they they had just been through a brutal few years. The president gets assassinated. Right. Not not to make this into a John Mulaney bit, but you know, (laughs) they're like, we could really use some dinosaurs. Right. I mean it. Hey, you know, what do people like? Those dinosaurs. So, so is he then responsible for like Land Before Time that comes out later? That is literally a. That is over a hundred years in the future. Yeah, but it, you know, if you're saying all this is coming <laughs> through the resurgence, I mean, right? One could argue yeah, that um, it's all connected. Yeah, I, I think this is a time still where, um, like, America is understood as an industrial center, okay, um, and and an economic center, um, but really until World War Two, like never thought of as a uh science and art center interesting uh, you know um i mean it's it's the the common joke that like the reason like there's all these like crazy advancements that come out of america is like because all of the brilliant german scientists that escaped the nazis came to us you know right yeah um and you know, prior to that, there was really like a a cultural doubt about America and uh, their their capabilities. Um, it was, you, you know, like uh, Winston Churchill's mother, I think, was American. And this oh. was because America had the wealth, but England had the cultural prestige. So there were actually a lot of like wealthy Americans that would uh, marry their daughters off to like aristocracy in Europe because hmm. America, we don't have any titles. There's no, yeah. um, th- there, there's none of that, but we had the money. Right. Um, so, so you could kind of buy into the prestige of old Europe um, with the funding of the new world and uh, industrialization. It is kind of crazy actually mm-hmm. huh yeah yeah so he he moves to new york and um the the project is you know sort of set to start he's you know th- this is going to be a very lucrative uh commission for him this is uh this is career making gotcha, gotcha um but then uh uh waterhouse hawkins runs afoul of the one and only boss tweed Ooh. Boss Tweed. Yes. Are are you familiar with Boss Tweed? Uh, I'm actually not. It's a cool name, though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, William M. Tweed mm. uh, is a, a notoriously corrupt uh, New York politician. Uh, he is the guy that, um, uh... He he's he's the kind of corrupt fire chief guy in Gangs of New York that Oh um, okay. Y- you've seen that movie, right? I have, yes. I think I own it. Yes. Yeah, so the the guy in the top hat um played by 
mm, actor guy. Is it Daniel uh, Day? It's not Daniel it's Day, Daniel Day, Day Lewis, Lewis, right? Yeah. I yeah. wanted to say Jerry Lee Lewis, and I was like, oh. that's not right. <laughs> yeah, like, something here does not <laughs> fit in. Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's the guy that he allies with for a bit. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah, he's he's the more like slime ball like politician. He's not as outwardly violent as Daniel Day Lewis's character, who I believe is also based on a couple of uh actual historical figures but boss tweed was a very real uh guy he was like the the political boss of the democratic party at that time in new york city uh out of uh uh, tammany hall if Mm. you're familiar with any of that uh history of the democratic party there um and essentially by um gaining political control uh he is able to direct funds uh into enterprises that he is a benefactor of uh therefore he has a very very uh big interest in what does and doesn't get funded uh in new york gotcha Um, yeah he is he has a fascinating uh story uh i believe he's the son of a chair maker oh wow yeah um, but just it, you know, he he was in the uh, House of Representatives oh uh, in in the eighteen fifties, uh, and you know, but really, uh, all of his infamy comes out of uh, um, uh, being on the New York County Board of Supervisors, mm. um, and really, uh, that. Uh, uh, that that really really corrupt era of of politics of basically saying like i'm going to put up a candidate and no matter who it is my following will vote for them and they will get into power and we will get the funding that we want right um you know he has uh interests in railroads in in all in mining and all all sorts of industry um, sure, and sure. you know, not not to mention he's he's also embezzling, like every corrupt thing he was doing. <laughs> oh my god! But uh... he, he had a he had a very strong following, but also was really not interested in public education because he kind mm. of. Um, this is maybe a, a little over generalized, but he he was one of those politicians that was like, I want my following loyal and dumb. Ah, uh, makes uh, sense. I mean to take advantage of them right certainly yeah and you know this is also a a time uh you know he is involved in like you know all of the unrest of the newly arriving irish immigrants uh in new york you know just trying you know trying to get them to to sign up uh for (laughs) you know enlistment but also to vote for him and uh and all of this all of this stuff um he's uh he's he's a fascinating character um uh but one of his sort of final acts of villainy Mm. in 1871 is one of his henchmen hires a bunch of thugs to go and vandalize waterhouse hawkins's uh workshop oh Yes. So on May 3rd, 1871, they break into his workshop and destroy all of these dinosaurs that he was building that were supposed to go up uh, in Central Park. Huh. Why? 
He had cut the funding for it. Waterhouse Hawkins was speaking out about it, and he's like, I want this guy silenced. Uh, mm. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, this supposedly broke Hawkins for a little bit, but in a roundabout bit of karma, it's so weird to think about it. He had all of this, all of this crazy, extensive, um, you know, crimes that he committed. Uh, you know, it's by some estimates, uh, th- these are these are the biggest estimates. It, the the a confirmed figure is at least twenty five, but there's some people that say he stole over two hundred million dollars. Oh my god. Yeah. Wow. Uh, in money back then, you know. That's crazy. Like, yeah, that's big money. Literally. Yes. Um. So. Uh. Oh, I'm sorry. That actually might be modern. Still a lot of money. Uh, well, that might be a, a lot mo- of money. That might be a money. modern figure. I, d- I don't even know if there were $200 million in circulation back then. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my sort. I- I'm going to have to double check that at some point. Okay. If Either way, a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. A lot of money. Yeah, even even today, a lot of money. Yes. So one of the final acts is this 1871 vandalism, and then five months later, he's arrested. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's um it's kind of sad because they, they never really got the project back on the ground uh, uh, that uh, after that. Yeah, so we were robbed of these uh, of these dinosaurs that we could have had in New York, you know. Yeah. Uh, this this could have been another, uh, you know, especially back then. Like, oh, imagine yeah. like the, the cultural touchstone of of this being in New York City. I feel like this would have been huge. Oh yeah, no this this probably would have been, you know, in, in the same way that you know once you've been to the AM and H, like you compare so many other natural history museums to that place you can only oh, yes. imagine what they could have built this into yeah. um and sort of so the legend goes is that the the pieces were scattered uh in central park and there may still be pieces buried there to this day oh treasure mm-hmm. hunt yes hmm. um so hawkins kind of is able to move on from this and um uh in and basically goes on a lecture tour of america where he apparently is a very uh compelling speaker um because that that was a thing that you could make a decent living at doing lecture tours a lot of times that's what like um people who did like big things like maybe you maybe you were president maybe you were a famous uh general you went on a lecture tour typically that was how you made your money makes sense um yeah so um he you know he he has he still has his credentials and things you know um but he's still really obsessed with a few ideas that he got from charles darwin and one of them is and again it's sort of a misreading of darwin is that the past had to have violent competition in it right you know that these were savage creatures at the dawn of time uh like that that the earth was not r- fully ready for humanity yet and while he still was in the the camp a uh, very staunchly anti-darwinian evolution uh you know he still had that hold over uh him from owen um he still was captivated by that idea of this savage history 
of the planet Earth. Hmm. Um, and so in 1875, he gets commissioned for some enormous murals for the Elizabeth Marsh Museum of Geology and Archaeology at the College of... Look at that, TCNJ. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Which we now call Princeton. Oh, well, never mind. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, not that one. Not that college <laughs> is, is, in New Jersey. Is, it's the is, college is there, of New Jersey. There is, I'm assuming there is currently a, the college of New Jersey. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, unless that's changed in the last like five years. But yeah, TCNJ, mm. the college of New yeah. Jersey. <laughs> Right, that's why when right. you said it i was like wow didn't expect that out of that school and then no it's it's <laughs> oh i forgot we have a uh you know a, a ivy league school right here and i've passed through it sometimes to go visit friends right right yeah nice place um yeah so uh this is his chance to finally kind of make his mark do the full scope of his vision um mm. and for these murals uh they he he really pulled out everything he had as an artist to get across his vision of the past. Um, uh, okay. You know, this is the vision that I think solidified for Americans for a very long time of dinosaurs battling it out. You know, now mm. there's a bit more of an understanding of bipedalism and dinosaurs. Um, but, you know, he shows he he uses light effects and atmosphere that the audience would have been familiar with to get across this idea of the earth being born and the earth being shaped you know huh. the dawn of time is literally a painting of mourning over this primordial landscape oh wow yeah yeah no they they oh. were incredibly remarkable works uh and you know, he, he does, he, he is able to, um, you know, show, uh, like animals that we would now group as, uh, tyrannosaurs, uh, but, you know, showing them hunting, uh, this would have been a, we now call them dryptosaurus, uh, but back then mm -hmm. they would have been called laylaps. Okay. Um, you know, attacking, uh, a herd of hadrosauruses um you know they've got like pyramidal composition you know things that are like almost like renaissance paintings uh huh. and he it would it felt animated it was narrative it was it it communicated uh science and discovery mm -hmm. uh and and sort of wonder at the prehistoric world through grand um, history painting in a way that just hadn't been done before. There had been illustrations. No one had ever attempted like uh, a large an an altarpiece of natural history. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, no. And I definitely like encourage everybody to also go look these up and like visually see yes. them too, as we have them up here too, because it's very. They're definitely as you're saying like impactful and it does read that way which i find incredibly yeah. interesting well even if you think about the history of the altarpiece you know yeah. those were always meant to engage the viewer with some kind of empathy with mm -hmm. uh, biblical figures but especially jesus you yeah know, the eisenheim altarpiece you know a, a something made during the plague Right you know, to show to show Jesus as a rotting corpse as you all are dying of 
uh the bubonic plague uh it was it it was meant to make it real right um, right yeah and th- this did it and for 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 this generation of students and faculty they you know they loved his public speaking uh, ability they were so captivated by his art and the story he was able to tell with the art you know grand narrative finally uh, mm-hmm. about natural history um and they've remained uh on view uh they went to a couple of different um uh locations they went to nassau at one point is that, oh, is wow. that how you say it nassau yeah. like in the nassau bo- hall Nass- nassau hall where is this in new jersey yeah I, oh i've never nassau nope i've never nope. heard well i don't know i mean but it, it's extra just... confusing because it's called nassau hall nassau hall um, is that like north jersey <laughs> i believe that's north jersey okay that might be why yes huh um but uh so these then uh went back to uh the college the college of new jersey now princeton right. princeton um yeah. uh they had uh built a new building specifically for geology and biology uh in 1909 and they put these bu- they put these paintings up there hmm. and they stayed there until the year 2000 whoa yeah crazy actually yeah um we are i should mention especially lucky to be looking at these today at the uncanny county museum because they are now in storage Ooh. at the princeton art museum the Princeton University Art Museum, they are very rarely displayed. Hmm. Um, they're kind of just kept as these, uh, you know, just just part of the the collection that doesn't see too much light of day. Now, is that because they're kind of dated in that way? I mean, or... extremely dated, but they're they're incredible works of art. Um, right. But I, I could also imagine in the year 2000, it's like... At Tufts, the biology department formerly had tons and tons of taxidermy, you know, that were all mounted animals from P.T. Barnum's circus. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, when biology made the switch to being much more focused on cellular uh, DNA, all that stuff, like biology stopped being about macro a lot of that stuff they just kind of tossed. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, or or it just it just goes into storage. There's not really the necessity to study the skeleton of a zebra, you know, anymore. Right. We're we're, we're more concerned about, you know, what's going on inside uh the cells of a zebra. Sure. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So this stuff, I think it's sort of in this weird place of um the science has moved very very far past it um but they are bizarre enough paintings that they uh it and they're enormous too it it would be difficult to figure out um a a permanent installation space for Mm -hmm, them mm -hmm. so uh it kind of makes sense that they got sure. put into storage because they're they're a little niche in interest <laughs> right. um <laughs> um so they get put in a niche you know oh there you go yeah yeah so um 
at this point, it's kind of towards the end of Hawkins' life. Uh, he returns to England where he spends the rest of his life. Uh, the science in general moved on past him. Finally, there there were enough young younger scientists who were young at the time of, you know, Richard Owen to know, like, you know, Owen was an old man and a conservative. And right. they had just very far surpassed it. There was sort of almost this iconoclasm of we don't want this anymore. You know, Hawkins's worldview and his his ideas on science were not were informed by the the idiosyncrasies of Richard Owen. Gotcha, uh, gotcha. Very, very greatly, and the the world was was moving on. The science was moving on. Evolution was going to be the centerpiece of paleontology from then on. So the art represented, you know, at that point, a, a, a viewpoint of half a century ago. Wow. Um. So by the end of his life. Uh, he dies in uh, 1894. Mm. Um, you know, he pretty much lived the span of the 1800s almost. That's uh, crazy. 07 to 94. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Hundred hundred years later, I would be born. Whoa. Uh, Even crazier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, three years or uh, five years later, my grandfather would be born. That's that's actually kind of nice. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Um, but you know, he, he was an old man at that point. I think the, the other thing to, um, you know, realize is as people are, are moving on from this, the crystal palace dinosaurs fall into disrepair. Um, there's not really the same, um, uh, attention going into that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, there's, there's really not the, um, the, the upkeep that's required for them so some of them even start uh you know breaking and things and now there's a there's uh you know they're trying to raise money to uh fix them and everything and there's some there's renewed interest but it is it is difficult to do gotcha gotcha the, the one thing that i wonder about with him is could we compare this at all to artists now that really really hitch their wagon to uh an ideology or a science that they are certainly adjacent to i mean hawkins hmm. you know was a member of the linnaean society he had studied this stuff but i do wonder if his artistic ability was carrying the weight of his success more than his abilities as a naturalist and was he just one of these guys that like we think of now that like will have a big exhibition on like big data algorithms buzzwords science sure. i study neuro uh <laughs> neuroscience but i also am interested in metaphysics and uh right and quantum mechanics you know the things that we kind of roll our eyes at now where it's like dude you're an artist you know yeah, like it, yeah. it, it's not a stay in your lane type of thing it's i wonder if you are overstating your grasp of the subject matter for the sake of trying to bolster your artistic value that and yeah i i don't huh. know like could you see like that type of person existing a hundred years ago 
Or, huh. Yeah, yeah, I guess over a hundred years, right? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Huh. I mean, so al- like almost one hundred and fifty. So like someone that's pushing more, like yeah, I'm an artist and I make these things, but it's science and like kind of like I guess exactly the same examples, right? Like I, someone who someone who's smart, but someone who's better at art, the right? the presentation, the selling, mm, the thing, the visual, you know? right? I could yeah. see it. It's the it's the age of flim flannery, but also just spectacle, right? So I think yeah, I I feel like there were a lot of people that kind of fell into that camp. Maybe you know, I'm just. I don't actually know. I'm making an alleged statement, but I think it it, it happened probably, right? Like the idea yeah. of like trying to be more interested in the in the visual of it rather than the function. I mean, how many I guess this is more like 1700s or earlier too, but there's like a lot of stuff that's made as like scientific tools that are just for like decoration. I mean, how many mm-hmm. globes were made? That are not accurate at all, but they're very pretty. But they're so beautiful. So beautiful. So beautiful. Yeah. Or like telescopes in general, right? You know? Yeah. Guns, I guess, that were just so decorative oh, we would yeah. never use them. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it's just it's I think it's it's like an it's um you know, they call it the Gilded Age for a reason. But it's just, <laughs> but it's gilded like gilded dinosaurs. Gilded dinosaurs, there you go. Yeah. We used to gild dinosaurs. We gilded those dinosaurs. <laughs> The dinosaur guild. Mm. Ooh. Yeah. You know? But um but I, I mean I guess that's I guess that's SVP. SVP is it what is Society that? Society of Vertebrate Paleontology. I don't sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> um Yeah, I, I guess I could see it. I guess that's my long-winded way of saying I see it. Again, I'm not too familiar with the subject matter in this way, but I definitely think like when connecting it to artists, even now, because that's a pretty popular thing to do. And there are yeah. people who blend these two things together. I mean, for sure, paleontology and art, and also different subjects and research into art. But I think it's also understanding where each one falls. Because like yeah. you couldn't be an artist, but also a very... Like, you can't be a doctor and also an artist, I feel like, right? Like, those two things may or may not have a connection, but Mm. at one point, you need to be practicing the thing pretty seriously, right? Right. Like, it's not like you're going to go do an operation and be like, this is my work now. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, I I don't know. That that is true, but I'm also, here, I'm going to argue against myself now. I'm also, I guess I, I don't like, I don't like the idea of like pure anecdotal wisdom, you know, like that just compares compares things with like very uh like dumb metaphors. Fair enough. Uh to to say that I I understand, you know, this thing which makes me an expert in that thing cuz now we're just back to mm. uh um Ben Carson, you know, uh you know, brilliant doctor, insane politician. We're 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 back to, uh, you know, <laughs> we're back to uh, Olaf Rudbeck. You know, mm. discovers the lymphatic system. Definitely yeah, thought yeah. Atlantis was real. Um, a a, a yay. You know, um, uh, yeah. Uh, people. I think there's a road people can go down believing that their talent in one thing makes them good at another thing. It's very sure. farm wisdom, you know, mm, kind of farm thing. Farm wisdom. Like people, yeah, like when 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 you have 
something in a movie where a farmer says something, <laughs> you know, like, that's the thing about a fence. You're never done building the fence. And you're like, right. wow, that's so true about life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Thank you with this farm wisdom. Yes. True, though. And, like, I I think there's some truth to having a discipline in one thing gives you a, a philosophical perspective. That, For sure. That honestly sometimes can even outlast what your primary work is that you can read darwin and freud and and all of these uh the, these early titans of science einstein all of these people that had incredible disciplinary practices that were sometimes wrong about things because just the science was not developed enough yet but they had philosophies uh, mm. about the way the world worked that um that are uh, sometimes still applicable to this day that mm. they're that um that they they gain some larger worldview by uh by introspecting on their uh field of study and there's something to that um but i think we've we've come really far to the point where we're like, you know, you, you invented the, this, this kind of lid for a water bottle. Here's a ton of money. You run a startup now and you are in charge of all of these people and all this money and whoops, you messed it up. Cause all you did was invent the lid to right. a water bottle, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Interesting, you know. interesting perspective, yeah. Mm -hmm. You invented, or you were part of a group of people that invented a way to make wireless uh, transactions. Now we're going to put you in charge <laughs> of a giant social media <laughs> I mean, company. You know, money. Sorry, I had to, sorry, no. I had to go yeah. there. <laughs> you have to go. I mean, that's quite literally a perfect example. And also make yeah. cars. Hmm. Interesting. Mm. Electronic ones. Match made in heaven. Match made in heaven. Um, but I, I think it is, yeah, I, I think you raise a solid point on those things too. And Because I think it's important to recognize like multi-talents and cross-talents and things that communicate with each other. Because I don't love the yeah. idea of like, I don't like the stay in your lane philosophy of like, yeah. oh, you're a writer? Just be a writer. Oh, you're a photographer? Yeah. Just be a photographer. And like, that's all. And you can't well, have yeah, input I've, anything. I have but... been. I have been at a dinner table where you were told to stay out of painting because you're an, you were an illustrator in undergrad. <laughs> I, still have, I still have PTSD from this. Oh my god! But yeah, like it's it's that mentality, you know? Like of uh, oh god. I mean, because I because I think, and again, this goes both ways. Just like I was talking about earlier, right? And I flip flop on my own opinions, but I do think that like you shouldn't. I guess it's just understanding your position on these things and taking in the information as necessary. I think it's one of the nice parts about being an artist because you are kind mm -hmm. of at the center of all of these different pathways. You yeah, know, you can be interested yeah. in philosophy. Of course, it's tied. You could be interested in a medical yeah. field, interested in physics and sciences, you know, yeah. in history especially. And you don't necessarily have to be an expert at it because we're right. in charge of the visual philosophy that comes out of it, right? What is, yes. or, or the feeling part of it just like somebody who's writing poetry or yeah. making music and i think that like for me when i'm hearing the story that you're telling us about you know watership 
but I keep calling him. I keep typing in when I research him. Watership Downs, <laughs> or what does it say? Oh like <laughs> it's really throwing watership. Me. Watership <laughs> Down Hawkins. Yeah. He was a rabbit that learned to paint dinosaurs. Every single time I'm like, okay, it's Waterhouse, not Watership. And every time I'm like, why am I getting images of rabbits? This is so bizarre. Watership um, dinosaur. <laughs> watership. Watership Downs Dinosaur. Uh, Watership's Down. This is, Watership's is this going to be you tomorrow, like, describing this conversation? Yeah, there was this guy we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, Watership, Watership Dinosaur. Watership Dinosaur. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't even remember where I was going with this. Um, oh, yeah, now I do. Uh, <laughs> that he, you know, because I feel like he, as an artist, is making these really impactful pieces i mean regardless of how like accurate it is right especially yeah. at the science of the time it's still impacting people around him and it's becoming yes. something that left a mark on other yeah. people and i think that's a very, yeah a very measurable mark for sure yeah and i think that that's a really hundred thousand philadelphians can't be wrong exactly well <laughs> yeah i guess not <laughs> uh, but it's like it's just interesting you know it's interesting to think about like immediately the first call it's like when uh olafur eliasson brought the ice the literal glacier ice to the paris um yeah green accord or whatever yeah, yeah. The, the climate meeting and then people could actually interact with the ice and that left an yeah. impact on he people made it real made it real exactly and he he's not necessarily someone that's studied environmental sciences but is making work around it so it's mm -hmm. that same i think relationship and of course you know waterhouse hawkins you know may, is is doing something similar of course then going on lectures and proclaiming his knowledge of science and stuff and that might get a little messy but maybe i don't know There's something hawk, to it. maybe waterhouse hawk is like a an, an mm. a hawk that comes and like grabs one of the rabbits oh maybe Sorry, i'm still trying it's to figure so... out i don't like, know because water watership down is also very english yeah <laughs> I, it's like I don't know why, because I, I it's in my mind of like ah uh, yes his name is Benjamin Waterhouse did, see but like Benjamin Waterhouse Hawkins he does and, sound like a Winnie the Pooh character he does he does his name. but then for me it's like oh he's Waterhouse Downs no he's Watership Hawkins wait no and I can't figure it out just tells you how yeah. much I retain information he's not a Ben he's not a Ben he's a Waterhouse yeah <laughs> get it right get it right. No, all that aside, it's um, it, it it is a fascinating thing to see the the duality of someone like that who had a, a real impact on on the way that these things were received mm -hmm. and um, and to it, it it's cool to live in a time where there's uh a resurgence and in interest in him. But if there's one thing that we should remember, uh, Benjamin Waterhouse Hawkins for uh especially at the start of a year like this is to remember possibly the coolest new year's eve party of all time in 1853 where he invited all of the founding fathers of paleontology oh. to have uh dinner in the back of one of the unfinished iguanodons oh uh, we reconstructed that here but oh. you can look up woodcuts of it Okay. Uh, and it is like it is like it is borderline like Studio Ghibli like <laughs> level. Uh, oh uh, my god. Party. This is yeah. nuts. Isn't it insane? That is crazy. Yeah, he had a whole like 
tent erected. They ate like fancy Jeez. old British person food. Oh my god. You know? And they're but uh they called it the Jolly Old Beast and they started singing a song. Like all the it like it's also kind of crazy to think about all these people together, uh uh in in the room having dinner together. These are the 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 men who founded the science, you know, right. minus Mary Anning, because she was a woman. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, they they were uh allegedly saying the jolly old beast is not deceased. There's life in him again. Wow. And I think that puts a nice uh ribbon on uh Waterhouse Hawkins, his work, uh and and hopefully sort of the legend will continue now that it's been resurrected like the dinosaur oh look at that yeah hmm. very nice well thank you so much for all this research Sam. this is an incredibly interesting story and definitely ripe with drama for sure oh yeah no it's it's a it's really interesting i love talking about this stuff i thought it'd be a really great story to kick off the new year absolutely absolutely i guess we got to go to new york city now and like dig up these uh alleged bones in central park Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah no i wonder if any parts of them would even be recognizable like i i i legitimately would love to know how far along he was uh in the yeah. in the process for sure mm-hmm. well um since uh it's a new year uh and we have now passed all of the holidays i think uh i think it's time to open some presents i think it is too oh man mm-hmm. all right so, um, we're totally in the same room right now. Totally in the same room, existing, yes. existing. I can reach out and touch you right now. Right, right. Um, uh, you can stop touching me. Okay, sorry. That's okay. That's okay. That's not not in like a no homo way. It's just I'm trying sure. to I'm trying to uh, get your present. Okay. So, <laughs> Joe, you have sent me something. I have, and you have sent me something that I'm holding right in front of me with some amazing okay. packaging. So, so how how are we going to do this? How are we going to do our our unboxing, our um, our hauls? Is this are we an ASMR show now? Oh God! I mean, I <laughs> guess we can. You know, we can hear that crinkling if you hear that touching I'm it. Touching the cardboard. It's oh my! Very... I am feeling the paper. It's very uh, papery. God, I hate ASMR videos, man. They stress me out. <laughs> All I can think of is I was at this guy's house once. Uh, this girl I was dating brought me to her friend's house uh, to just hang out or something. And he's like, can I show you guys this ASMR series I'm really into? And okay. I, I, I felt held hostage. I couldn't say <laughs> no, I guess. And it's like this guy wearing a Cthulhu mask, oh but he's God. also wearing a lab coat. And he's like, Hello, I'm Dr. Cthulhu. Your oh my test God. results look very good. I don't like this. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. And, and he just turns to me and straight face is like, I can't fall asleep without this. That is, uh, you, hey, you know, whatever works, I guess. Yeah. He also, uh, also like, he had voice, and, and I'll make this clear, uh, a, an able-bodied person had voice mm. activated lights that he just used and it just, it just made me not like voice activated uh, <laughs> lights and using sure. them constantly like this. Fair enough. Yeah. Weird. Um, but anyways, I know something about your gift, uh, but I, I think you should open yours first. 
Okay, I'll open mine first. Sure. Yes. It's for- can you just des- can you describe the box? Oh, I would love to. So this box <laughs> that you can hear right here is in a brown wrapping, and as you turn the side from the postal stamps and stuff on the front, there is a <laughs> portrait drawn by Zan of Tim Robinson in character. Of I found as- out it is Tim Robbins. I meant that as an uncanny correction. <laughs> It's Wait Tim no, it's, it's Tim Robinson. I'm pretty sure. Oh, is it? Yeah, I think I just looked it up. It's darn it. No, ah, uh, because hold on, we're doing this right. So Tim Robinson is the comedian. Tim Robinson, yeah. Tony Robbins is the televangelist. Okay, there we go. All right. Well, I'm glad we could clear that up here for uncanny corrections as a segue. Uh, but yes, it's Tim Robinson with the Dan Flashes shirt that says the patterns are so complicated. And it's a very well done image. So nicely done, Sam. It was very pleasant to find in the mail. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm now going to open the present. Mm-hmm. Really get that. Is that coming through? Are you hearing? Oh my gosh, it's so pretty. Okay, so now that we're incepting the layers of packaging <laughs> here, uh, mine is not as fancy, and I apologize. Ah, okay. So now, it is a box, or, yeah, box-shaped with very interesting wrapping paper of, um, I don't actually know what these are, but it's fascinating, and I like it a lot. Very colorful. <laughs> I think it's, they look like something that would be microscopic, or they're just very elaborate uh, flowers. This is terrible. Um, <laughs> do you know what they are? Can you tell us what they are, Zan? Um, or did if you I just... remember, are they are they like different? Um, oh gosh, what did I wrap yours in? Uh, <laughs> it, it, are they like different crabs and and things? No, they're not. Well, I don't think they're crabs. They're like, are they like barnacles and corals? Maybe, and maybe. Yeah. Well, I okay. I have wrapping paper that's patterned after Ernst Haeckel's. Uh, um, like scientific illustrations oh lovely okay that makes yeah. sense excellent yeah. and it's also like a yarn wrapping here so i'm gonna mm. go ahead and take that off and it's like a candy cane which is fun mm-hmm. very festive this is a whole production i love it mm-hmm. <laughs> all right i am now opening the box mm-hmm. or attempting to get it out of the wrapping paper i just want to so say now i'm so sorry why are you oh man oh my god I love it. <laughs> it's a okay. So to describe, it is a guitar strap by uh, Mother Mary in blue and gold patterning, and it is beautiful, and I love it very much. And I am so sorry that apparently you also have uh, another one. Uh I do. Although this looks slightly different, which is very oh, exciting. thank God. Okay, I'm pretty- I thought it would look good with your um with your baritone guitar with the blue one. Oh, it will. This is mm-hmm. fantastic. Thank you so much, Zan. I really uh, appreciate you're welcome. this. I would also like you to know that uh, blue is my favorite color. So now this just means I have consistency, and I appreciate Yay, that. Okay. Terrifically. This is... Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate Aww, this so you're much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. So now I have mine. Any... All right. Let's see here. We've got a cardboard box or envelope thing yes it's not it's not too nothing too fancy uh it's all good you always wrapped by bezos himself yes oh what do we have here we have a book it is a book 
Emerson's nature and the artist. Mm-hmm. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Oh, this is very cool. Yeah, it's a it's by Tyler Green, who's a really interesting art historian, and it has all mm-hmm. types of information on landscapes and such, and I think you'll get a kick out of it. It's very fascinating, oh, wow. actually. Yeah, no, it's uh yeah, lots of looks like lots of material on uh um, no, I love commentary on landscape paintings and stuff. Yeah. This is this is very thoughtful. Thank you so much. Oh, no problem, man. Glad you like it. Oh, I appreciate it. Well, um, that was very fun. Uh, shall we move on to uh, the real treat, Stick It or Ticket? Uh, sure. Okay, on my last day of class, uh, or actually review boards, uh, I saw a car parked that um had a bunch of dog stickers on the back of it uh but the most notable one was dogs up in this bitch (laughs) okay interesting that Mm -hmm. that evokes a lot huh i wonder what kind of dog who are the dogs (laughs) the dogs are driving the car the dogs are clearly driving the car (laughs) Uh, interesting um Uh okay that's pretty good Mm -hmm. i like that Okay, so I also have a dog-related one that I saw, which was oh. towards, like, my last few days of work, and it was a bumper sticker on the back of a car that said, Dog Grandma. <laughs> and, and I just kind of kept thinking about it as I saw it, because I was like, is it is the is the person driving the car a grandma to a dog, or is the dog driving the car and is a grandma? I was very confused. Does their kid just have a dog? That's what I'm thinking, maybe. Uh, and now that they're... seems like that seems like you're really stretching it for your connection to this dog. I think it's <laughs> right. just an I think it's just an indie band. Oh, indie band dog grandma. Dog grandma. Yeah, dude, That's... are you not listening to dog grandma? I, I haven't. I haven't been listening. I guess I have to check it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, wait. Dog grandma and then the album Dogs Up in This Bitch. Oh yeah. No, this it's is nice. this is it's coming together. Really great. Yeah, great discography. Absolutely. Um, speaking of discographies, uh, what are you listening to, reading? What were things you particularly liked about uh, stuff mm. you got your hands on in the previous year? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, well, I recently have just, because now it's 2023 and I'm catching up on albums from 2022, I just listened to uh, Little Sims' al- newest album, No Thank You which is very good, and I highly recommend everybody go listen to it. It's fantastic. I think for me, you know, because 2022 was some of the best albums I've listened to in a while, at least for me, like just what I've heard, and I have some from 2021 Mm. as well I really enjoyed, but I think my favorites still stand as God Save the Animals by Alex G, Ants from Up There, Black Country, New Road, which I know is sort of the like ugh, answer, but it's <laughs> it's just good. And I was one of those people that didn't like it that much in the beginning. Like I just didn't really, I wasn't into it. And then I listened to the whole thing just straight through, and I think it might have changed me. So uh, there's that, and also hmm. the um, big big thief's new album as well, uh, which is always the longest name possible. Dragon Warm Mountain. Jag- I believe in you. <laughs> Dragon New Warm Mountain. I believe in you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. So still very good. I I also want to add that Hugo by Loyal Carner is also a really good album. That might be one of my favorite albums of the year as well. I would definitely put it up there with those. So mm. that's definitely been my top ones. Uh, I think I read like twenty four 
books this year, which is still wild <laughs> to me. It's the most I've wow. read since high school. So uh, definitely looking forward to starting the new year off with more of my reading list. But I think out of all of those, I definitely recommend reading uh, Pachinko by Jinmi Lee, I believe, read, read that. And um, My Brilliant Friend, that entire series by Elena Ferrante is fabulous. I mean, these are not from 2022, but they're just such great reads. Also, I mm-hmm. still think uh, Normal People by Sally Rooney might be one of the better books I've read as well. That definitely stuck with me for a while. And um, Becky Chambers' books too, the uh, Monk oh, yes. and Robot series, because one of them did come out in 2022. And I feel like mm-hmm. that was also a really nice successor to the first story. So, I mean, for me, those are definitely the things that were circulating the most. And I think to, you know, yeah, I would definitely recommend going out and, and seeing those, listening to those albums, reading those books. And uh, yeah, how about you? What were your, some of some of your um, most favorites? Some of my highlights. I mean, obviously, I think the Big Thief album might be my my favorite. For uh, sure. Of, I, I just... I, that that album got me through that last semester mm. um and then getting to see them live was uh amazing um i think as far as like other uh, as far as other albums that came out this year uh hmm i think ones that come to mind that i was uh particularly into uh teeth marks by sg goodman uh wow. very very good kind of um bordering on folk rock and blues but like has a lot of like good like modern alt country sensibility stuff um sg goodman's a wonderful uh singer and uh uh and songwriter as as cliche as that is but I, i i i do really like that i like that it's got um a little I think she's got a little more grit to her uh, than a lot of the people doing like the alt country thing in a, in that similar vein. Uh, I would also say, uh, can I take my hounds to heaven by Tyler Childers? Mm. Uh, I'm a fan of his and that album is especially that he released three different versions of it. I'm just so fascinated by that. That's interesting. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, he's got like his normal band, a rock band, and then uh like a uh uh hip hop remix of all the oh. songs. Hmm. Yeah. Um I'll also do a shout out um as far as if we're uh, if we're on albums that came out this uh past year, 9 by Pond. Uh oh. I just discovered uh in the final days of <laughs> Nice of uh 2022 uh but i will say it counts as a 2022 album uh really good stuff um and if you kind of like a little dream pop a little pink floyd influence um okay okay. you know just just good grooves um uh and then uh, there's other artists and stuff but uh that i've been listening to recently but i think maybe i'll save those for next time okay fair enough yeah great mm-hmm. oh like i feel like this year i'm more caught up on like old movies i never saw oh uh, nice like the other night allison and i watched lars and the real girl which oh never my seen before. god that movie man i watched that in high <laughs> I've school i've never seen it it's good but it is depressing it's a good film. yeah it's a good film it, it was a it was a good movie to end the year on i think uh yeah wow, new, what new beginnings for all of us definitely Oh mm-hmm. man. 
Nice. Very yes. nice. Well, um, let's see. Uh, do you have anything uh, going um, I believe the only thing right now is that I'm in a group exhibition titled Yonder Crush that's going to be in uh, a gallery in Chelsea, New York. So uh, mm. feel free to check that out. I believe it is. It's going to be at 526 West 26th Street, Suite 620 in New York City. So that's going to be, I think, on January 24th with an opening on the 26th. So feel free to go check that out. I'll have a drawing up in there. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it right now. I mean, mostly just working on some no- new music, got collaborations with Zan that we're excited mm-hmm, to be mm-hmm. launching into 2023. So just, you know, keep an eye out for some out some new projects that I'll be launching and also some new music hopefully soon. Mm-hmm. But how about you, Zan? Anything to plug? Um, if you are listening to this now, uh, I will have, uh, some work up at, uh, Viridian Artists in, uh, New York, uh, that you can also check out maybe while, uh, you actually, I think it ends on the 28th, which is when you said your starts. Uh, no, but it starts the 24th into the 26th. Oh, okay. So, so you, can you know, they overlap. Both. You can make, make both. both. Make both. Okay. Yeah, so uh, January 5th through the 28th, uh, 548 West 28th Street. Uh, yeah, wow. Yes, so you can uh, go check out uh, my work is in the slideshow of Director's Choice uh, at that show. Again, that's Viridian Artists in New York. Very nice. And then uh, I will soon, I promise, I promise I will have a date soon for my solo show in Hudson, New York. Yes, we're waiting. Uh, I'll be we're announcing waiting. that soon on social media. Trust me. Uh, and then, of course, uh, as always, uh, watch out for my workshop this August at the Joseph C. Campbell uh, Folk School in Brasstown, North Carolina, if you are interested in taking a painting class. Other than that, uh, you can find uh, my work for sale on my website, uh, zampeters.com. Uh, or if you can find me on Tumblr, you know, uh, just, uh, <laughs> you know, be kind. Be kind. Mm-hmm. True, true. Yes. Nice. Uh, if you'd like to find the museum after hours, we are at Uncanny County Museum on Instagram. Uh, if you'd like to find me, I am at Xanosaurus on Instagram. And I'm at Josemino Art on Instagram. Give us a rating and review. Check yes, out our yes. Patreon uh, if you can. We appreciate uh, we appreciate everyone that's been listening uh, to us. And we're ex- we've got a lot of really cool stuff lined up for the new year. So oh, yes. we will see you then. From the Uncanny County Museum, I have been Zan Peters. And I'm Josemino. Goodbye. Bye.